There's, um, in the Bible, there's a lot of imagery and there's a lot of uh, themes and there's a lot of things that go throughout the Bible and we can track those things through the Bible and it makes, uh, it makes knowing the Bible that much more important so that we can then track those themes all throughout, if that makes sense. So the more you know your Bible and the more you understand all of these themes and all these symbols and all these numbers, the more you understand the whole rest of the Bible. It's like having a drawer full of keys, right? You don't know where any of them go maybe right away, but you have them and you know what they look like and you know what they are. And then when it comes time for that lock or that thing, you go to your drawer of keys and you find the one that unlocks the mystery that is that box, right? And then the Bible makes that much more sense to you, hopefully. And so as you find those things, and you follow through the Bible, things begin to pop out at you. And uh, you may have been reading the Bible for years, and uh, you could get up one morning and start reading, and all of a sudden, pop, something happens, right? And you're like, what is going on? I've been reading this thing forever, and I still am getting new revelations each and every day. I'm keeping ha I keep having to go back to my drawer of keys to unlock all of these new mysteries. And that's what happened to me when I started uh, reading and researching about um, the number seven and, uh, and the idea of God's rest. Uh, now, we've all heard of the Sabbath, right? So, in the beginning of the Bible, we read that God created the heavens and the earth, and then He goes on to create the skies and the, and the earth and the, um, all of the stars and all of that. He creates all of creation. And then on the seventh day, it says that He rests. Now, there's a difference in all of that, and if you're paying attention to the theme, as we just talked about, then you realize that He said there's morning and then there's night, and that's the sixth day or the fifth day or whichever day He's on. Right When he gets to the seventh day, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that there was a morning and a night. He just says the seventh day he rests. And it's almost as if that means from now on. right? Because this is the rest. And now we're entering into a phase where everything is complete. And now we're entering into a phase of rest and freedom and discovery and all of those things that God created us for. right? Well, we know that that all got messed up, right? Because we sinned and we fell short of the glory of God and there was all of these different things. Uh, the Israelites ended up in captivity, right? Uh, with the Egyptians, they became slaves and they had to give of themselves. So they didn't have freedom. They didn't have rest. They weren't their own people anymore. And they were desperately wanting this rest, but they didn't know how to get it. And God is pursuing them, trying to help them get back to this place of rest that He designed for them. And so, in order to get them back to this place of rest, He gets them out of Egypt and He brings them into the wilderness. And as they're in the wilderness, He tells them, I want you to act like you're in the promised land here and now. And they're looking around going, uh, this is not the promised land. I'm not going to act excited about it because it sucks. In fact, they were grumbling so much that they wanted to go back to Egypt. That's how bad the, the wilderness was. At least we get food over there while we're getting beat. So they wanted to go back. But God said, we're going to institute some guidelines or some rules 
and that will help you to understand rest maybe a little bit better. So he instituted the Sabbath, right? On the seventh day of the week, I want you to rest. I don't want you to work. I don't want you to have to do anything. I want you to experience rest. You've been a slave for all this time. My design for you was rest. And so every seventh day, I want you to just do nothing. Just experience life. Maybe discover something new. Maybe feel free for that whole day. Like you don't have to do anything. Release all of your anxiety about all of the things you've got going on and just rest. Some of you are like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do that, right? And, and that's exactly the problem, right? Is that's what God desires for us. But the problem is, is we always find ourselves, and the, and the Israelite people were the same way, they were always finding themselves in a place of bondage, in a place of oppression and slavery and all of those things that are basically opposite of God's design, right? And so they brought it on themselves and we also bring it on ourselves, right? And so God's trying to always get us back to a place of understanding what it is to rest, be free. And the way that He does that is by some symbolism and some um, ceremonies that He has them do all the time. One of them is the Sabbath, right? The seventh day, He wants them to, to rest. And then He establishes seven of these um, festivals, right? Seven times a year that He wants them to stop and rest and pay attention to something other than themselves and their slavery and the things that they've got going on. To remember who God is and remember what the promised land will bring and remember this rest that is prophesied to come. And so he set up these seven feasts or these seven um, days throughout the year. And um, then he developed the year of Jubilee. So on the seventh year, I'm sorry, not the year of Jubilee, uh, the year of restoration, which is the seventh year, every seventh year. The year of Jubilee is then seven times seven, which is the big year of Jubilee, where all of the slaves go free. All of the land gets to rest. All of the people get to rest. And they, it's basically like just throwing out all the garbage that you've accumulated all, over all this time, and you're getting a reset how many of you could use a reset right now, right? I could use a reset, right? Where we just throw out all of the debt, all of the bondage, all of the slavery. Maybe you want to pursue pottery or music or something else, but you can't because you have to go to work every day and you have to do this and you have to do that and you have all these things that you have to do where God is saying, my creation... I don't want you to be toiling and toiling and toiling all the day. I want you to understand what it is that I designed you for, which is rest. See, I did all of the work, and now I just want you to enjoy. But again, these kingdoms rise and these people come in and they say, no, you have to do what we tell you to do. And they take the Israelite people into bondage, into Babylon and all of these different places. And all throughout time, you see this picture in the Bible of God chasing after His people, trying to get them out of bondage and back into a place of freedom and rest. And it just never works, right? 
And a lot of it is due to the people because they forget their God. They forget who He is and what His promises are. And instead of relying on His promises, they rely on their own two hands and their own two feet and I'll just muscle my way through this. And if God's not going to do it, then we'll make a way ourselves, right? They asked for a king when God said, you don't need a king. I'm your king. You're kings. What are you talking about? We want a king. So he's like, all right. And he gave them a king. More bondage. More slavery. Opposite of what He created us to be. And so, as you see, when Jesus comes on the scene, He's coming onto the scene when they're completely overrun by the Romans, right? They don't even have their own country anymore. That's how far gone they are. They're living in the promised land, but there is no promised land there. And so, they're continuing to do these festivals. They're continuing to do their Sabbath. And everything that they're trying to hold so tightly to this rest that they're looking for, nothing's working. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and one of the first things that He does, and i got to get my notes so I remember this verse, the first thing that He does is He goes, uh, not the first thing, but one of the first things that He does is He goes back to Nazareth where He's from. And you guys will probably remember this if you've read the Bible many times. Um, he goes back home, and he goes to the synagogue as he usually did. And this is going to be in Luke 4, 16 through 19. He goes into the synagogue, Luke 4, 16 through 19. And he finds that they want him to teach something. And so he says, okay, he goes up there and he's handed the scroll of Isaiah. And they want him to teach from Isaiah because after all, he's a rabbi. That's what he does. So he goes up there, he takes this scroll, he unrolls it, and he says, directly from the scroll, he quotes, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That sounds eerily like what we were just talking about, right? All of this rest imagery, all of the year of Jubilee language where the, the blind see, they're healed, right? The, the oppressed are not oppressed anymore. It's, it's the year of the Lord's favor, which would be basically the ultimate year of Jubilee. So Jesus is saying, I'm here to help give you the ultimate jubilee, the rest that you've been looking for this whole time. I've been pursuing you and trying to give you rest, and you keep messing it up. So let me help you. He sends His Son. And then He says at the end of this that all of these things that I've read have been fulfilled here today. And that's when... Uh, they got really upset, <laughs> right? Because it, that's a huge statement to make, right? Basically, he's saying, I've just fulfilled this prophecy. I am the Messiah. And that would blow their heads off if you think about that in that culture. So Jesus is saying that he's been brought forth to bring in this ultimate jubilee. Well, how did he do that? 
right? Because he didn't conquer like they thought he was going to. He didn't go and um, raise an army, right? And become this conquering ruler and go in and take out Rome because, I mean, how do you get people out of oppression, right? How do you get them free of slavery? Well, you got to take out the people that are making them slaves, right? Well, how do you... How do you have one man and a couple of fishermen go up against a Roman army, right? That's not going to work. And so everybody's a bit confused about what Jesus is talking about. And then as he lives his life, he begins to preach things like peace, love, patience, kindness, all of these different things. And people are like, this can't be the Messiah. All he talks about is love. He sounds more like a hippie, right? And so it gets to the point where they realize that Jesus is talking about overcoming your enemies and finding the place of peace and rest in here. In here. Because you may be a slave, but are you a slave that is free in your heart? Do you know who you are? Do you know how to experience God's rest? The feeling that you have inside you that, as it's said in the Bible, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Can you find that peace within yourself? That's what Jesus was teaching. Can you find the peace and the rest between you and your neighbor? How do you do that? You forgive them. How many times? As many times as it takes. How do you find peace between you and the Roman citizens around you? Well, if they smack you, then turn the other cheek. If they tell you to go to mile, you go two miles. If they ask you for the cloak off of your back, give them the cloak, give them your shirt, give them whatever they want. That's how you find peace with those around you that are oppressing you. That's how you liberate yourself is by changing your own mindset of what it is to be free. If that makes sense. And so Jesus then climbed up on a cross and said, I'm going to give of Myself for the whole world. And He died and was buried on the Sabbath day. The seventh day. And then He rose on the eighth day. Right? So, as He comes up out of the grave, He's basically saying, this is a new day. This is a new thing. Right? Does that make sense to everybody? Because you have, you have a, the Son of Man who came to the world to give us back our freedom, to give us this year of jubilee or this lifetime of ultimate jubilee, but He's telling us that it starts with each and every one of us. It starts with our mentality, our mindset, who we think we are. We could live like Daniel and be fine in the lion's den. We could live like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and be fine in a blazing furnace because it doesn't matter. We can live like Paul and be bitten by snakes and shipwrecked and beaten to death almost and, and just keep getting up. You could be like the, the apostles who were just hanging out in prison knowing that God was going to show up and He was going to fix this situation. That's the mindset of a person that is already free in here and in here. 
And it's hard to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I've perfected this or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is this is where we need to be and we need to understand that God is pursuing us to give us rest. He's pursuing us to help us to understand that this world doesn't have to be the way that it is. And if we all band together as Christian communities, we can affect the world in such an amazing way by following His teachings. Right? Because you, you aren't oppressed when you're here. Nobody here is oppressing anybody. Nobody here is showing hatred or judgment or any of those things. And we all feel, and I might be just speaking for myself, but when we come here, we all feel free. Right? We feel connected to one another. We feel at rest. At least I do. This is a place of rest within the community of God. And we can find that rest no matter how oppressed we are. We could be in jail, we can be in the lion's den, and it doesn't matter. We can find that rest within each other and within ourselves. And so that's what I wanted to bring to you tonight. I know that uh, it wasn't very long, but I think it was important for us to understand that there is this theme in the Bible, and it's very clear what Jesus is saying He came to do. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, He says, Come to Me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what He wants for each and every one of us, is rest. We're worn out, right? I know I am. We're worn out by medical things. We're worried about the government. We're worried about vaccines. We're worried about just, it's heavy. There's a lot going on. We're worried about people in Afghanistan. We're worried about people all over the world. There's five missing military members because that helicopter went down and we're, our hearts are going out to these people and we're just so worried and worried and worried all the time and we feel so heavy at times. And the only way that we can lighten the load is to trust that God has everything under control. And if we start where we started in my prayer, that He is love and there is no greater love there is no way that we could surpass his love or understand his love that's how much bigger it is than we can even imagine and so trusting that god even though everything seems crazy trusting that god has everything under control and he knows all things and he has his hand in all things and just rest in his peace and rest in His love and just rest and know, I don't need to worry about that. I'm just going to allow myself to be at peace with my God and my people that I love. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's transition to our discussion time. If anybody has any thoughts or concerns or questions. Matthew 11, did I say 26? I think I said 1126, but I'll find it for you. Uh, 1128, Matthew 1128. Anybody else have anything? Yes, sir. Why do people working for non-Christian? And he says, we've got to run our combines this Sunday. What do you do? I mean, yeah. you say, well, i got to rest. Yeah. And then 
No, I think that's a great question because that there was a lot of that debate going on in in the early church and and in uh, within the disciples and and among the community of Jews as Jesus was going around and they were finding that Jesus was doing things on the Sabbath that he shouldn't have been doing according to the law, right? And so they had they had the law of the Bible, but then they had extra laws that they had created, right? They had a lot more things. You couldn't start a fire or you couldn't, I mean, there was, if your goat fell into a, a ditch, you couldn't get him out until tomorrow, you know, deal with it, but that type of thing. And when Jesus came on the scene, he said, listen, this Sabbath wasn't made for I'm sorry, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, meaning man isn't a slave to the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man, right? It is, it is man that is getting the gift of the Sabbath. And by you stressing out about whether you can or you can't, you're defeating the purpose of the Sabbath. And then when it comes to helping others, which is what he was doing at the time, right? Um, he was... Um, healing the man with the with the hand that was all deformed they're saying you can't do that today (laughs) you can't give this guy a remedy that is going to heal him and he's going to be glad for the rest of his life because it's the sabbath day like to jesus that just didn't make any sense he was like what are you talking about (laughs) of course i can i can do this any day i should do this every day as much as i can Right, helping people is what Jesus was all about. I think it's a good point that you bring up, though, because that is a huge debate. You work for a Christian company. You want to try to keep the Sabbath as much as you can. That's, that's a beautiful desire. But at the same time, you know, Jesus would have us build relationships more than he would have us um, rest, if that makes sense. Because it is the relationship that brings forth the rest. If you're in conflict between you and your boss, then there's going to be no relationship, you know, and, and no rest. Yeah, you're going to be toiling over that. You're going to be mad about it at home. Oh, he's trying to make me do this. And he's mad at you. And both of the wives are tired of hearing about it. <laughs> right. There's no rest in that situation. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, do it with a loving heart, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge point. Everybody hear what she said? When, you, when you're giving of your cloak or you're going the extra mile or you're turning your cheek, you want to do that with the right heart. You know, you're not, you're not doing that out of compulsion or out of coercion. You're doing it because, because it's the relationship that you're building, that you're, you, you're wanting to show them that you love them. And so, yeah, that's a great point. Doing those things with, a, with a, uh, a right heart, a loving heart is the way to go, I would agree. Same thing with tithing. We yeah. Should, we should be joyful when we tithe and not do it as a, a duty. Yeah. Yep. That's a huge thing. And, you know, a lot of these things are like laws and rules and and we begin to think of them that way but that's not how they were designed they weren't designed to be laws and rules they were designed to be something to help you 
You know, and the minute that we go from it helping us to hurting us, that's when we have a problem, right? It's like in the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve that they weren't supposed to eat of that tree. And then when the serpent comes, uh, she, uh, Eve tells the serpent, God said that we can't eat of it or touch it. And it's like, wait a minute. He never said that you couldn't touch it, right? It's the beginning of legalism in the Bible, right? Where we start creating our own rules to keep ourselves separate from it. And now we have, to, now we have more rules to follow because we created them. Right? They could have climbed that tree. They could have done whatever they wanted in that tree. Just don't eat of it. That's what I told you. Right? We've got to be careful not to put ourselves in a bigger box than we need to be in. Yeah, all good points. I also think rest can be different for different people, you know. Like, yeah. say some guy works 60 hours a week, has one day a week where he has something for himself, and he goes and he builds furniture in his garage because that's what he loves to do. I mean, maybe that's his rest, you know. Or, you know, or maybe yeah, maybe mowing the lawn is your rest, or, you know. there it, it, it could be more than just laying in your bed or watching a movie or, or just lazing about, you know. It's just my preference, but. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that all goes with freedom, right? The ability to do whatever you want to do. Be, being, being able to explore. You know, that's what they had to do in the Garden of Eden. All they had to do was explore and figure it all out. It's almost like he made a giant earth playpen and plopped him in there and said, go figure it out. Have fun. Rest and enjoy. And then it was like, nah, we can't do that. We got to get in trouble. Yeah. It's good. Anybody else before we wrap this up? So you were talking about like laws and maybe the have tos. Is it Psalm 119 that talks about laws and statutes? And it might be. I'd have to look that so up. We've I don't remember. To this beautiful Romanian pastor who's older, so he's you know really had a lot of experience like. In Europe, anyway, yeah. uh, persecution and so forth. But he was saying, "Who's this God who puts all these laws and forces me to, and I can't do this and I have to do that?" And he said that as he 
read Sock, I think it's 119, um, that God showed him that this is freedom. When you do these things, you become more like me. Mm. Yeah. That's so good. We're so resistant to the things of God because we want to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we ended up we end up putting ourselves in more bondage. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. It's true. I mean, every time we talked about this before, every time you don't forgive somebody, they're not thinking about it. You're thinking about it. And every time they come around, you're mad at them. And they're like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, shut up. Nobody's talking to you, right? <laughs> it's like, it's just you. You're the one holding on to it. And it, you always have this bondage that you've placed on yourself. So that's such a great point. I appreciate you bringing that up. It's, it's very important to um, realize that our God is a good God. And I don't know where we got along the way where we realized that there's so many rules and it's just so hard. And I think that's just the ment- mentality that the world has outside the church about who God is. And then you... When you, when you come in here, you realize this is actually all good for me. <laughs> you know, these, this makes me feel better. It makes me happier. I feel more light and, and uh, not so burdened. Yeah. The rules are our excuses for not doing something. Yeah. That's how we decide not to do something. We create the excuse. Yeah. Yeah. So throw away the excuses, honor your word, and just do what you said you'd do. Yeah. And life becomes restful and more easy. Yeah. Not easy, simple. Yeah. Never easy. Yeah. That's so good. Let your yes be yes and your no be no and just let it be. Let the rest go. All good points. I appreciate the discussion time. Anybody have anything else before we wrap this up? Right on, let's sing some more songs.